This episode of the Curious Life podcast is brought to you by the sneaky treat company Melbourne, decadent sweet treats delivered to your door. Let your friends, family or clients know that you're thinking of them with a box of goodies and a personalised note to send along with your gift. TheSneakyTreatCo.com. You know you want to. AJ Clementine is a model, an author, an influencer and a role model too. And she's transgender. You'll meet her when she talks openly and frankly with Yana about her book Girl Transcending and the twists and turns it took to be this magnificent woman she is today. Imagine if you can the lengths it takes to take the steps you need to to make your body and soul align. Identity. AJ doesn't have to imagine and she tells you some of the hoops that needed to be jumped through just to exist as the person she felt she was. Sometimes confronting this story of reflection and courage not to be missed. You'll meet AJ Clementine next. AJ, thank you so much for joining me today on The Curious Life. I'm so excited to talk to you. Me too. Thank you for having me. I've just been reading your beautiful book, Girl Transcending, and there's just so much in there. You've been so open and honest and vulnerable, and I think that there's just so much there for everybody. So I can't wait to unpack some of that with you. But for people that don't know much about AJ Clementine, give us a bit of a snapshot about where you grew up and how life started for you. I was born in Queensland, but then moved to Melbourne when I was around five years old. And I just was kind of a naive, imaginative kind of kid that like lived in my own kind of world. And I still kind of have that essence and kind of energy today. But I was very naive and thought that magically or just some sort of way that I would just develop and go through the exact same changes as all the other girls I knew in my life. And when that didn't happen, it kind of was a shock to myself and the realization that that wasn't happening and I didn't know how to put that into words really Mm. and because of the lack of visibility and representation and just all of those kind of things that I didn't have growing up I really felt like I needed to become that or I needed to be something that I needed when I was younger so in high school I started to use social media, create content and just be fun with it, like be creative. And from there and just learning the whole world and how social media came into all of our lives, I saw that there was a way to tell a story on there too. So I wanted to document my transition and to really just tell my story in, in the best way that I can and also to be creative with it. And it's like led to here and being able to write a book about it as well is just it's another form of visibility and positive representation which is just we truly need absolutely and I think that's incredibly brave of you as well because as you say growing up there wasn't anybody else doing this kind of open dialogue stuff about people like you or anyone that might be feeling like they haven't found their people or they don't know how to connect with people. So I can imagine, first of all, it must have been very confusing being born in a boy's body, but knowing totally that you were a girl. And how does a little brain 
actually comprehend that? Yeah, I guess there was like little moments where for me, I knew who I was as a kid. I, I knew passionately that there wasn't anything wrong with me. But when the factors in terms of like my environment and just society started to play a role in how I was feeling, that's when it kind of shifted. And I realized that things were very different and I was being categorized and put into boxes. And the thing is, it was very confusing for me because at home, like my mom was very open and accepting towards me. So she let me do whatever made me happy, which didn't link all of those things to be a negative thing so like my toys were whatever I wanted them to be like my clothes and what I wanted to you know wear at home was all the stuff that made me feel comfortable but she'd always tell me that if I brought those stuff outside the house people might treat me differently and you've got to be ready for that and as a kid I was like oh yeah like I I understand what she's talking about because from her viewpoint and how I also saw her navigating the world as well because she's from the Philippines and English wasn't her first language so people would speak to her differently treat her in a way that it clicked to me that she's trying to refer to me as what people would treat me as Mm -hmm. just like how she's treated and because I saw her dealing with it and not really caring that people were treating her so poorly. I was like, well, I can do it too. Like I'm the same, like my mom and I can face it straight like straight on and deal with that. But once I was in the situation as a kid and kids were asking questions, but I could totally deal with that. Like it was fine with kids because they were so easily and understanding and they would, you know, as soon as they see another kid happy, they're like, oh, okay, well that's fine. As long as they're happy. Mm-hmm. But it was when adults started to play a role in, in that and deciding things for me or making me question as a kid, I kind of was like, oh, okay, this, there must be something wrong. And I guess like for meals with teachers, like teachers would question why I had you know, I was bringing girl toys to school, like girl toys, like toys shouldn't have gender, but that's what they would refer to them as. And they would be confused why I just wanted to hang out with um, the girl groups. And they would kind of force me and tell me that that's not all right. And it was just so confusing as a kid to be told that. And when I felt like there was nothing wrong with it. So that kind of added to my internal conflict and I really struggled with trying to unpack that because I I actually listened to them and I went against everything that I was told by my mom and just, you know, fighting the norm and just actually doing what makes you happy. I can imagine that would be so confusing. You know, the teachers are the people that are supposed to protect you and guide you and keep you safe. And if they're giving you a completely conflicting message than you're getting from home and what you're feeling within yourself I can imagine that would be a really difficult time and if I think back to school as well there's so many gendered times you know first of all the bathrooms are generally boys or girls and in sport often the boys do sports separate to the girls you know you have to pick a sport all of those things that would be so confusing and so hard when you don't really have a voice yet when you're just a little person having to go along with the rules Did you have a good support system around you when that was happening? Yeah, like I had a really close group of friends who didn't really, you know, they kind of like would tell me like, don't listen to the teachers. Like would they were really good, like support, a supportive group of girls that would just like not make me feel any different. 
but I guess there was a kind of, I know, like I kind of shift from primary school to high school within myself to realize that, you know, they were all going off to different schools. They were going to all girls schools actually. And Mm. for me, it was kind of like, and that was another moment that was, oh, okay. Like I can't just follow them to that Mm. school. And it was just, it was so confusing because it it felt like I was racing against a moment in time that like, wasn't letting me decide things on my own terms. It was like, everything was against me. When I went into high school, it was just like, maybe I should try and like conform and leave who I was in primary school behind and like leave a lot of that feminine energy and start to try and fit in a bit more. So that's what I did transitioning into high school. And I kind of lost all that kind of, that essence of my childhood. And I guess it was just getting put out of my comfort zone and that support was something that I had to try and rebuild throughout high school but never really found it again because I never I didn't really found, find safety in my own body to begin with but yeah I guess like in high school I did start to gravitate and find some friends that actually did understand me and kind of know parts of my struggle even though they didn't fully understand it themselves just like me mm. well that was going to be my next question did you have language even within yourself for what was going on for you or were you just kind of feeling confused and conflicted about sort of who you were and what you were meant to be quote unquote yeah like there there definitely wasn't much language that I could resonate with because I didn't know what to call myself or to put a, a label on it I couldn't put it into words what I was feeling I remember that in high school, I started to take what I was seeing on the media and see that like there was trans people and there always been trans people, but I kind of blocked that out as a kid because always negative. Mm -hmm. And I started to fixate on it and see what was being discussed around the time. And it was just pure negative, negative things. And um, it was always treated as like a disgusting thing or it was a joke or it was the the villain in all of these kind of narratives and there wasn't one I remember I tried so hard to find one positive story or one positive character that was created but there was literally nothing and I remember also searching you know trans into google and a lot of the stuff that came up was just porn as well and thankfully that's so that's changed now and there's so much more positive things out there to find and it's kind of filtered that out but like that's all I really had to go off and it was really it was really difficult to to try and go back to that because it was just as soon as I, I think of it it was just negative and I started to internalize that transphobia and think it's such a bad thing and like I could never be me but yeah I felt like it was all of what I learned from the media and what I found was it was all about unpacking that and knowing that's me, but then I was trying to relearn it and redefine it. Gosh, it sounds like such a massive journey to be going through all on your own, trying to figure that out without like a guide to show you this is the way it can be. So how did you kind of reconcile all of that difficult content that you were finding with coming to the place where you are today, where you, 
you're sharing your story with the world and hoping that other people can get some of this great content that you've been putting up on all the platforms. Yeah, I guess um, from the moment around like 15, 16, I was, um, I came across this news article of Kim Petras who had gender reassignment surgery at, at 16. So she was like really young and she had the surgery in Germany and just seeing this piece of information, it was just solely positive. It just, it, it was like a beacon of light for me because I didn't know that that was a possibility. I never found something like that before. So when I saw that and read it, I went and searched her whole life and wanted to find out more about her. And I realized that there was space, there was room to recreate the narrative, to actually have like a positive story out there and have a trans person living their life and it not be the victim or the the sad or the the villain or the all of these things that just was creating a negative stereotype and narrative to trans people so from there I started to start to like be comfortable with also just being on camera and talking about my story and I guess like because I started on YouTube as well and I did like lots of video and blogs and just speaking and editing and learning all that kind of stuff like that it, it taught me and was I was able to take all that stuff and even though it didn't really reach an audience to use that and recreate that on TikTok and put all those stories that I have told in a more short form content and I guess it just worked. Yeah what's the response been from people what are you hearing from people that are watching your content? I guess it's like it's a it's a mix of a whole bunch of different like walks of life I guess some people will take it as like they're learning about having more compassion towards trans people and it's a bit more understanding from people who who don't really come across or understand a trans person's struggles and then also trans people being able to relate to someone's story and finally be able to say like that's me like that's something that I feel that's valid to my self something that like I never got validation for the things that I was feeling and that's so important to have someone that like you know you just want to be able to relate in some sort of way growing up all I did was really try and relate to the characters and films and tvs and then books that had some sort of similarity to me but there was always something missing because I never had the full experience of my struggles and it it was just so difficult to try and unpack that and have someone that fully resembles you and you can like feel safe like and I guess that's what like comfort characters like are are there for but it's difficult to have a comfort character when they're not really fully relating to your identity and struggles Mm, and having to just pick and choose different characteristics that you relate to but not fully seeing yourself represented anywhere. Yeah. In a few short years, society has had a big shift in how someone who is transgender is perceived. Yana and AJ ponder those changes and what it might have been like if she was going through it all now. How different do you think your life would have been if you'd grown up 
in today's era? I feel like it would have changed so much because like all of the stuff they were saying before, I would have been able to understand myself better. I would have, I would have been able to transition like pre-puberty as well and not go through that suffering of you know being a girl going through male puberty like I wouldn't wish that onto any any girl because it is literal torture and I guess that because I didn't have the information I wasn't able to communicate that and that was taken away from me because of it and that would have just changed my life so much more. Mm. And that's a massive one isn't it because that mental anguish, that psychological pain that you would have had to hold on to 24-7 and not know what to do with it. You talk really openly actually about some of that stuff in the book, which I think is so brave because I know that, you know, that is a really personal part of your story. And I imagine that the choice that you made to share some of that stuff was to help other people who were going through what you went through. And I think that probably speaks to some of that pain that you had to go through internally and not having a place to go to. So how did you actually come to that first conversation with your mum about really starting to make a formal transition? Yeah. So when I was really struggling a lot and I was also traveling to the Philippines with my mum. would go like back and forth. I would tell her just the things that I was feeling. And because she also had like the lack of information, she doesn't really use the internet as much. Like she just uses it to connect with family in the Philippines. And what she was brought up with, with having like a very conservative background and just growing up in the Philippines in general, there isn't much like LGBTQ plus like information. So she was kind of, you know, she's always been accepting of me, but like when we would go back, she would take me to like drag shows and just kind of immerse me in that culture. Cause she like really loved, she really loves that and the whole theatrical elements to it. And she just told me that like, if this is something that you want to do, like it's, it's there and it's fun. And I kind of told her that like, it was fun. Like I loved watching the drag shows, but I like, I remember just, just sitting down and telling her that like, it wasn't a performance for me. I couldn't dress up and just be happy as that for a minute in time. Like this is my life. And I've always been like that. And she just fully, she understood it. Like it wasn't something that was, she couldn't wrap her head around it. Like it just made sense. And the first thing she really told me was just like that she she was like she knew that she was have she was going to have a daughter when she was pregnant with me like she just felt it like she was like everything that she was going through everyone was saying that that means you're having a girl kind of thing like when they have all those things they tell you if you're craving these certain things you're going to have a girl if you do this you're going to have a girl and she was really passionate about that so I was just kind of like, well, then it makes sense. Like, um, this <laughs> They is were right. What, literally, like this is what was supposed to happen. And I think it was just about how to go through that process. And I told her that I was going to start looking into like hormones and all of that kind of stuff like that. And yeah, she was just like across it and just where yeah, was a, a main support throughout, mm. throughout that motion, those um, moments in my life. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that because for some people, it's not the same experience and not everybody has the same supportive family and 
you know, people that don't understand much about transitioning and what that entails, you know, sometimes there's a bit of fear around that. And I know in conversations I've had with people who aren't very informed about things, they say things that are, I guess, coming from a good place or a place of concern, but that aren't helpful necessarily for the person or the child that is actually going through it. And things like questioning whether this is a phase and Mm -hmm. is the hormone treatment, you know, or puberty blockers or are these kinds of treatments that are available, are they safe? Are they ethical? Are they all of those things? But they were created for a reason, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not, they're not just there because one person thought it would be a good idea. So are you able to share a little bit about or maybe just to help people understand a little bit about maybe the process that you need to go through to start that treatment? Because I think some people think, oh, well, you could just give a child hormones and then what? It's not as simple as that. And we know that. So do you want to maybe let people know a little bit about your experience in that setting? Yeah, definitely. I I was kind of taken back from the whole experience too, because I didn't really understand why I had to go through so much in order to get hormones. But like for me, I had to spend a lot of months first seeing a psychologist to go through the emotions of them understanding you and your identity more. It's, it's more like confirmation in order to give you the hormone replacement therapy. And I guess throughout that process, it made sense. And I remember asking my psychologist why this is even a, a thing. Like, why do I need to prove myself? And she just said that it was because they need to understand whether the person is actually trans or if gender dysphoria is just a symptom of another issue, which could mean a whole other mental health problems that the person might be facing. And they think being trans is the answer or just anything along those kinds of lines. And I guess like when it comes to the narrative of the media still trying to portray trans people to be this scary taboo thing, a lot of the time they will center the focus on people who did detransition, which is when you transition and then decide to go back. You know, it's really frustrating for the trans community because we're really wanting our positive stories to be told because we haven't had that and we're still fighting for that. But when they play this narrative of our resources, other things that like are bad, we shouldn't be getting these resources because it's going to make us detransition. You know, it makes people scared. It makes people fear, especially the older generation when they're like, oh, we can't have our kids on this stuff because they're just going to like want to go back and it's life-changing kind of um medical resources but they also fail to do the further research to realize that it's a very small amount of people that do detransition and there's so much more success out of that and how that's more important than you know I feel like there is no matter what's going to happen there's always going to be people that are going to slip through the cracks where they do get misdiagnosed no matter what it is going to be and we can't control that there will be there will be moments like that, but if we fixate on those negatives, it's just going to put all the other trans people at risk because for myself, like I said, I I wish I did have the ability to say I'm trans and have hormone blockers so I could have blocked puberty, but 
it was so scary for me because I knew that was a thing. But at the time you had to go to the family court in order to get hormone blockers if you're under 18. And for a kid, that's just too scary to even think about. I'm not a criminal. Like I don't want to, I don't want to go to court. I don't want my family to go to court for something that I need. It just sounded so scary. And I guess all of those things, people don't really take in consideration when it comes to a child determining, determining all these kind of things. Like they have to think of all these adult issues. It makes trans kids and youth have to grow up quicker than everyone else. And it's sad because like they shouldn't have to be, they shouldn't have their identity being fumbled in other people's hands. All these grown adults shouldn't be deciding what and who they are and what resources they need. And also I feel like another misconception is blocking puberty is very, it's risky and it's going to influence your health for the rest of your life when that's, that's not true as well. Like if a kid is going through that whole process, they block the puberty so that they have more time to decide. They don't put you on male hormones and put you on female hormones straight away because that's when it's going to be life-changing. They give you more time and all they do is block your puberty because you can do that and it doesn't influence anything. If they decide it's like, you know, it ends up that they're not actually trans, they stop the puberty blockers and their puberty begins. And that's it. (laughs) And it's just giving the child more room and leeway to have that option. Something Mm -hmm. that I didn't get to have. Yeah. So it's delaying things to give the child the time to work it out with Uh a professional as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important to hear your story because it is such a positive one. And you hear about people who are big in the media, like Demi Lovato, who came out as non-binary and then said that possibly one day she'll transition or they'll transition to a woman, but then they might transition back. And I mean, we might, maybe they've got some other mental health issues going on because those kinds of statements, I remember hearing them at the time and just thinking they're just so unhelpful and it's not the experience of people who were genuinely in the trans community you don't sort of think you're gonna maybe one day be a woman for a little while and maybe you'll go back or yeah so how do you feel hearing comments like that from someone with such a huge platform and I feel like it doesn't hold like much weight to me in my experience at the end of the day just because I do personally think that like you know, gender is constructed and it's a very like fluid thing, just like sexuality and people that feel a bit more, you know, not in the binary is totally valid as well. But I feel like we shouldn't be all grouped together at the same time, just because one person experiences this doesn't mean the next person is because, you know, I've had experiences like that, especially when I worked in in an office and I had, you know, my co-workers asking that, you know, I have like a friend who's one day a girl, next day a boy. And did they just want to like some advice on that and like how to deal with that? And I'm like, well, I don't really know because Mm -hmm. that's not my experience. And, you know, I feel you should talk to them about it because at the end of the day, I'm a trans woman and my goal is to just live and talk about my experience as a trans woman and hear cis women's experiences, but coexist together and just realize we are women and we stick together. That's it. And that's all mm-hmm. I really am trying to portray. And that's all I truly care about and I'm passionate about. 
So that's person's experience is never going to be the same. We might be in the same community and we can relate on that, but you know, people should understand that we, we just because we're all in the LGBTQI plus community doesn't mean we know how to speak on each other's experiences and it's all each to their own. Everyone's experience is their own kind of journey too. So yeah, I feel like that's another flaw in our society and representation where we have we've just lacked all of it so people just are confused when it comes to coming across someone like that because we don't have anything to relate it to or to understand yeah and we'll kind of relate it to the next thing so when they think you know genders and someone questioning their gender or being a different gender each day they go oh well then a trans person should know what that's like (laughs) (laughs) and it's just I guess we can't gatekeep identities as well. Just because what you think is more like something you perceived it to be doesn't mean that invalidates someone else. Yeah, I love that. We can't gatekeep. I love it. I think that's a really nice way of putting it. And, you know, I think for a lot of people as well who maybe haven't met a trans person before might feel afraid about saying the wrong thing or not quite sure what language to use. And what would you say to people who might try and give it a go or be too frightened to to ask or say something because they don't want to offend somebody or get it wrong? What would you say to them? I'd say that just definitely put that out there, put that into the open and just say that you're trying your best and you want to educate yourself and just to know that you are fine if the person can correct you as well. Like just give that open space and some leeway to be able to have that discussion instead of just being, you know, in your own kind of perceptions about it, where you kind of think what you think is right and whatever the the person that's actually experiencing it, experiencing is wrong then that's where it kind of creates creates that tension we all kind of need to leave our own personal biases at the door door no matter what we're speaking about and trying to understand because yeah just because we all had one thing or we're brought up a certain way doesn't mean that's the right one yeah absolutely Working as a model when you're transgender has some big challenges, especially when you're hoping for your own reasons to keep that part of yourself private. Those challenges also came at a cost to self, and AJ candidly describes that next. And, you know, in your work as a model as well, can you tell us a little bit about what that's been like being a trans woman? I mean, Being a model yourself, I mean, that industry in itself has a lot of interesting or, shall we say, difficult things that come along with it. But what was it like for you or what has it been like being a model and having your story as well becoming more and more public? When I first started my modelling career, I wasn't out as trans. I didn't express that or tell Oh, I just have that in the open. Like I have my first modeling agency. They did know, but they didn't really understand it. So they didn't think it was something that was need to be held to my character and who I am. And I thought that was fine too, but um, it did lead to some very awkward situations. One, for example, was like, I did this um, e-commerce sh- shoot where I was just wearing a bunch of different dresses for an online store and 
there was one dress that was like really form fitting and bodycon and I was pre gender reassignment surgery. So at the time I still need to tuck, which is when you just put everything away. Yeah. And I used a thing called a gaff that would keep everything in place, which is designed for trans women if they do feel the need to tuck. And that was something that I did daily because I really wanted my gender confirmation surgery, but I had to wait. So I was wearing my gaff and the photographer was like, oh, can you take your underwear off? Because they could see the line of the gaff. And I was like, oh no, I I can't take, I can't take the underwear off. And they replied with, oh, do you have your period? (laughs) And I was just like, I could either go in one direction, say that I'm trans and out myself on set or just agree and say, yes, I've got my period, so I can't take it off. So obviously that conflict of you don't know how someone's ever going to react to that and it could lead to a dangerous, potentially dangerous situation. So I just said, yes, I got my period. And I realized from that point onwards, it was like, you know, my experience is always going to be different and, and just not being true to that. It affected me and it felt like I was hiding a part of who I am and I couldn't discuss that or talk about it. So with my management now I did discuss that and we had a whole you know sit down and talk about like how that's my goal now I wanted to really change that narrative I want it to be okay for trans people to discuss how they feel and to not feel like they have to be stealth which is like hide your identity in in society and that's okay as well a trans person can decide that for themselves if they want to but it's also very hurtful and damaging when you're forced to be stealth without that option. And I did that a lot in my life as well from different jobs too. I was told to be stealth and it's very difficult to not know what that feels like when you're forced to do it for such a long time. And it's strangely like freeing now being able to be vocal about it. And when I go to set, people are fine and they talk about it and they you know, they will say how they feel about my content, all this kind of stuff like that. And just having it out in the open, it just feels like I'm not holding my breath anymore mm-hmm. and it's freeing. And the fact of like, it's also something that like people want to get behind and, you know, cr- be part of that visibility is so important because now it's like, I get, you know, young trans kids and their parents, even their parents will message me and say, thank you for, you know, being so very cool. And my like daughter is, at the beginning of her transition and she can look at the posters or the campaigns and be like, that's me. I want to be that and thrive as a trans person. And that's something that, like I said earlier, is just, we, I didn't have that. I didn't have no trans person thriving or being able to be that light besides that moment I saw Kim Petrus and she, all, all she was being, or the only thing positive about her life was the fact she had gender reassignment surgery now people can search Kim Petrus and she's a pop star and living her best life. And, you know, she's got amazing music, but those are the narratives that were just so important. And I'm so glad that it is changing. Mm, Absolutely. And it must be exciting for you to know that, I mean, like you said before, you don't have to have that burden anymore. And that fear of you know, not knowing what's going to be a safe place for you, especially when you're turning up for work 
And, you know, I can imagine that anxiety was pretty strong. And you talk about having anxiety at various points in your life, you know, even as young as a, a small child, I remember you talking about your first panic attack experience. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that kind of the anxiety element for you played out? Yeah, like I feel like my first panic attack and anxiety moment that I remember was very much linked to like what I was saying earlier about how I felt like I was being put into boxes and it really felt like that was also a defining point on how I was being perceived. And I I knew in that moment being, I think I was nine or 10 years old, that I wasn't going to develop with all the other girls. And that's not how the world saw me because I loved doing the choir at my, at my school and it was a mixed choir and I had so much fun making new friends through that. But there was a moment where they were selecting people from our choir to go and do it in a more professional choir. So I was one of the kids selected and my parents had to take me to this other school. And I just remember we got to the room and I entered the room and they're like, these are the other kids that are going to be in your choir. And it was all just boys. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I couldn't even take another step into the room. It was just my body shut down. I literally in that moment thought I was dying. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, that was so difficult to try and understand. My parents were so confused too. They were just, all they knew is that we were there for less than five minutes. And now we're in the car driving home. (laughs) And I was just silent. They were trying to ask what happened. And I just remember I was just, I was, I just couldn't speak about it. And for me as well, from that point onwards, it was very difficult for me to do, do things anymore. I was, I couldn't speak or really have anything to do with people seeing me anymore. I really struggled with anything to do with standing in front of the class, doing an oral presentation, answering questions in class and all of those kind of things. So the teachers took note of that and thought that I was having like trouble learning and I had like learning disabilities and that was also really difficult to understand too because now I'm also being categorized as being slower than everyone else when I knew that that wasn't the case too and I guess like my parents knew as well that like there was there's something that like changed so I went to a psychologist around those ages too and she diagnosed me with panic attacks and anxiety and just went through the whole motions of trying to cope with that. But it was difficult. Like I learned how to cope with it and I knew how to deal with it. But one of the main triggers was the fact that I was being seen as a boy day to day. And that was very difficult for me to understand because it wasn't something that was true. So as soon as I started transitioning, like obviously I still live with my panic attacks and anxiety, but it went hand in hand together and it started to minimize the amount of panic attacks and anxiety that I did have. And yeah, and it's just crazy that like it did work out that way. But if only as well, I had more information as a kid. I feel like that first trigger and that first panic attack was just so scary and it influenced my life a lot to this point. I also felt like from that point onwards, I had this kind of a link to anything to do with groups of boys as well is kind of a triggering now as well for, for no reason. <laughs> and and it's, it's one of those things that like I will like live with it for the rest of my life. But it's just, yeah, it's strange how 
we're wired like that. And yeah, once again, if I had information, I knew how I was feeling. And I feel like I would have, it would have prevented a lot of what I faced as a kid. Yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. And I know how debilitating anxiety can be. And when you're not even feeling like the real issue is being resolved and you've got to continue to live with that fear and and panic that at any moment you might be forced into a situation that is the complete opposite of who you are and where you want to be it would just be terrifying for a kid. But the little AJ all the way back then, could that little person have ever imagined where she would be, you know, all these years later? Definitely not. Like I, I feel like I always would think that like if I went back to see my younger self, I wouldn't be able to put two and two together and think that that's me I would think it was just a stranger just because I literally would not have been would have been able to see or think of myself in that kind of light like as a kid I you know I loved watching runways and I loved just beauty in general because like my mom was obsessed with beauty and she was a beauty therapist and just I was just so immersed into that world and I just always thought that like what would it feel like what would it feel like to be one of those models and if I went back to tell them tell my younger self that like I you did become one of them like it's 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 just a crazy concept and it's literally my story in itself show that like anything can be possible and yeah I guess that's really the beauty of it all yeah that's I think that's a beautiful message that anything is possible and you know you were so lucky to have such an incredible support in your mum and family and friends to allow you to flourish once things became clear. So what about for anybody listening who may not have come across your content before, what would be the best place for them to start? Because there's a lot, there's heaps of stuff on YouTube and stuff. Where would you recommend people jump in? I'd definitely say like my TikTok has a lot of information and I guess it's, it's, if you prefer the, the short form, it's, it's very punchy. So mm-hmm. you learn a lot with just a few swipes. Um, and I guess, and also my content is categorized as well. So there's playlists and there's just a lot of that. There's lots of juice there. I like to say, because it's just, <laughs> it's, it's quicker and yeah, I feel like that's a great place to start. So it's just AJ Clementine on TikTok. <laughs> Beautiful. And what's coming up next for you, AJ? Um, I guess definitely just being more creative and honing my skills and just just trying to be more inspired with all of that kind of stuff but definitely for me something I've always been passionate about and why I started in modeling as well as to kind of branch and try and do acting out of it too so that's something I'm very passionate about and I also really want to work in towards that direction as well. Amazing. Well, we can't wait to see you succeed. If little AJ couldn't imagine where you are today, imagine where you're going to be in another 10 or 20 years. So Thank I'm you re- so much. You are so welcome. And for anyone wanting to find this beautiful book, Girl Transcending, you can get that in all good bookstores. And <laughs> is, is there a Booktopia link maybe I should pop on um, the yeah, show book- notes? Booktopia yeah. link, yeah. Beautiful. So I'll put the link to your social media and to the book link um, so people can find that easily. But AJ, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the book. You know, I've already got two people in mind, two young people that I know this book is going to 
be really important for. So I can't wait to get them their copies. And I know it doesn't even, you don't even have to be somebody going through the trans experience to get out of this book. There's so much there for everybody to learn from. And you're so open and vulnerable in the book that it's like an encyclopedia of what a person's experience or what one person's experience has been from start to now. So thank you for putting all of that together. No, thank you. Thank you for talking about it with me today. And I'm just so excited to just have it out there and just have it as a resource and a guide and just have the information exist for people to access it. Yep, absolutely. I can't wait to see what comes next for you, AJ. Thanks so much again for your time today. No, thank you. Thanks for listening. We would love it if you left us a rating for this episode. And catch up with Yana for more inspiration and info on how to get to the stories that tap into your passion on Instagram and Facebook at The Curious Life Podcast. And if you're looking for a fabulous podcast editor or producer, use ours. Julie Reynolds will turn your audio lemons into audio lemonade. Check out audiolemonade.com.au.